Hey, listener, Kyle, stepping in here really briefly before the episode starts, just to let you know, we had a few technical issues this week, and as a result, the audio quality uh, is not up to what it typically is. Actually, I think Josh might sound better, and I definitely sound worse. Uh, So my apologies for that. We're going to take some steps to help ensure this doesn't happen in the future, Uh, but we wanted to make sure we got you the episode, and we think from a content standpoint, it's still a great episode. Uh, So again, my apologies for any of the uh, audio quality this week and we'll definitely make sure that episode 206 is better next week so thanks so much uh, and enjoy the show the following production is part of the play some video games podcast network Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who's always number one on my list, Josh Borboni. How are you doing this evening? I stopped reading your intro so I could be genuinely surprised. Uh, and that was very, that's a very nice compliment. I don't think you mean it, but I, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, it's been a day, but overall I am in a good mood and, uh, happy. I'm happy. <laughs> is that weird I have this feeling and I don't know what it is. A small <laughs> amount of joy in my soul. I feel like. What is this feeling I'm feeling? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing pretty well. It is a wonderful Sunday evening. Mm. Uh, I just realized, Josh, as I did. Oh, never mind. We got it. Okay. I was going to be like, I knew that some people asked questions for this week, and I just was having this moment of panic because I never added them to the docs. But then you <laughs> did it. So that's great. It. You got it all taken care of. So that's awesome. Uh, Josh, it was very unusual here because it was like 92 degrees today. Really? Yes. That's hot. And- it's very hot for <laughs> the end of September. Well, mid end September. End of summer. And yeah, end of summer. So I had that conversation with the partner today. We were talking about like, is this going to be the last super warm day? Was this it? Because when you look at the 10 day yeah. forecast, like the next highest high for like the next 10 days is like 73 degrees. Yeah, me too. For, for us here as well. So I'm wondering if this was it. Was this the last hurrah? Because we had considered going to an apple orchard and go apple picking. Yeah, it's, it's the season. Not at 92, but, though. <laughs> but not at 92, right. That's why I was like, I don't feel like today's the day for this. It just yeah. it just wouldn't feel right. You know, not, not that it's like, oh, it's too hot to pick apples. It just wouldn't feel right picking apples when it's that hot, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because so yesterday, Saturday, the 18th, was my our engagement anniversary and i only remember that because of facebook but we we did apple picking mm-hmm. um as well and it was 79 here yesterday and i was like oh it's probably the last based on the forecast nice hot weather day and that's not yeah. hot but like um because yeah we're in the 60s for next week as well so yeah it, 92 not not great for apple picking right so <laughs> yeah so we didn't do that so maybe you know next weekend weekend after something like that 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 might have to happen but yeah uh, i was just really surprised it kind of came out of nowhere it's been really nice this is kind of the weather i feel like i'm built for like this is the weather i enjoy uh, and then today just kind of came out of nowhere and i was like dang it why didn't i mow the lawn yesterday and that was stupid 
Um, but I got I that. I trimmed thing. the hedges yesterday. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Trimming yeah. hedges. I don't have hedges, but, you know. So, Josh, our pregame conversation this week. Have you, mm. I posted it in the Discord. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think, have, did you watch the video for Foundations of Rome? Well, no, I, I did and I didn't. I, I watched and I saw how big the box was, but I genuinely like being surprised by opening mm-hmm. of boxes. So I didn't really watch the unboxing. unboxing portion, but I did see how big the box was for sure. Gotcha. So listeners, you know, Foundations of Rome, a game both Josh and I kickstarted quite some time ago, uh, was supposed to arrive already, hasn't. Lots of delays, which is fine. Uh, and then obviously shipping situations globally. Still complicated, though I feel like I'm now reading updates that they're getting slightly less complicated or slightly less expensive. Uh, yeah, but what did I just read about someone? Was it Foundations of Rome or someone where they're having to pay extra money for their their shipments sitting on docks because they aren't able to get to them to take them off of the docks. Oh, that I don't know. That, so man, I can't remember who it was. I thought it was Foundations of Rome. It could have been somebody else. But essentially now what's happening is the docks over here are so full mm-hmm. that um, like someone's – we'll say someone's cargo shipment will come in, but it's like in the middle of – the loading dock and it's blocked off because other people are unloading and then they're charging them late fees for unloading their freight containers. So now their new problem is having to pay $2,000 a day for um, uh, unboxed freight containers that they can't get to. So some, whoever it was I was reading said that they hired a private company to get their own trucks to drive them in somehow it feels like very like mafia-esque um (laughs) to then load trucks up and then drive them out instead of having to try to wait um because other other companies would get bumped up the list similar to shipping the car containers over here right because they can pay more like samsung or apple or whoever um so now there's a new little hiccup in that but yeah it does seem like at least getting the product here is getting easier yeah and i foundations of rome i think is just entering or is in full production still like it hasn't shipped out yet sure so not not them but (laughs) someone i'm sure and realistically uh foundations of rome uh that would be probably very expensive for them to have that game setting because as we're going to talk about josh this is a big box josh like a big (laughs) big box uh it weighs 18 pounds is what they've said Less than Gloomhaven. Less than Gloomhaven, but I think the box is bigger than Gloomhaven. It box. does look bigger. So, sure. is, Josh, is there ever a time where you would look at a board game box, and it, it's a little hard, hard during a Kickstarter, right? Because, like, they have mock-ups and anticipations, but depending on what all funds, like, you don't necessarily know how big the box is going to be. Yeah. But is there a too big of a board game box? Is there a, a what size would a game have to be for you to just be like, nah, I'm not going to do that? I don't think so, as long as the space is utilized. Uh, I know a lot of times um, there are smaller board game boxes that you buy, and they're still way too big for the game yes, you're getting inside. for sure. Uh, so to that, yes, there is a thing as too big, but not in the se- and not in the scale sense. Like of like, I think it's fun to buy a big giant board game box. I think that's cool. It's also a showpiece. It's also like, I mean, if you don't have a lot of space, I get how could that. That could be a problem if too many games are too big, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's cool that they have that. And I like the idea of um, it kind of, whether it is literally or just 
um, figuratively showing the value of what you paid for the game. I do like the idea of of um, big boxes, but I think the biggest boxes I have are like Cloud Spire is a pretty big box. Mockingjay is tall, but I wouldn't call it big. Yeah. Um, but Gloomhaven and like Tidal Blades, I think all those like suit the need for the size. I would agree with that. The challenging part about Gloomhaven, Tidal Blades, those other big boxes, uh, Seventh Continent's pretty big, but more like dense than I guess a, a big box. Uh, but uh, Edge of Darkness was very, very big. Yes. Ooh, it gets really hard to store those things, Josh. And there's only so much space in the world. And when I showed my partner uh, the unboxing video, I was like, hey, do you want to see one of the games we're going to be getting soon? She was like, sure. So I showed her the video. And she's like, are you kidding me? Where is that going to go? Where are we going to put this thing? I was like, I don't know. And to be clear, like our board game shelves are completely full, right? Like we have overflow now into um, the basement bedroom where, where I record the podcast. And... So I now I guess I get to build a new shelving unit. So that's pretty exciting because she's like, well, since you're buying all these board games, now we're going to have to build more shelves. So this is your project this winter. I was like, okay. So I guess I worked myself into some work there. Uh, I don't know if that was smart. I did make the suggestion of that we could potentially swap some games out or trade some games or like donate some games of, you know, things that or sell things that we don't play. Um, and I was immediately that was vetoed. I was what not about allowed to- building an addition to your house. You know, I guess that would be an option, too. We don't have a ton of space for an, for an addition. Our, our yard isn't super huge, as is. Uh, and I really don't want to go up, but I guess we could. Uh, <laughs> adding a second story would be a little painful, well, I think. I'm not, you don't need a whole second story, but, like, uh, <laughs> just add a room off of the side. Yeah, so. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they're the only game that I've ever seen. And I wasn't super interested in the game anyway, so... It, I didn't buy it because I wasn't interested in it. But even if I had been interested, I would have thought long and hard uh, is Ogre. Okay, sure. Have you seen Ogre in the flesh, if you would, like the actual size of that box? It is it is massive. It is super, super big. Uh, And and that's the one where I looked at it. and I was like, oh, gosh, even if I was interested in this game, I don't know if I would get it because it just is such a big box that I don't know. Where it would go. Like, I just don't know. You know, I literally would probably put it in a closet somewhere and take it out only when playing it. So it it just becomes so big that I I don't know that it fits anywhere super effectively. But I guess, you know, I do have a PS5 that I was able to find a spot for. So realistically, any board game box, I should be able to find a spot for too, right? Uh, Realistically, yes. But I mean, (laughs) uh, have you seen the Assassin's Creed one? I have not. Is it big? Uh, Yeah, I've been trying to pull up someone. compared it next to the box of gloomhaven and it's bigger really okay it's called assassin's creed um brotherhood of venice um uh v i'm wondering if it'll pop up if i search it gloomhaven no that's not how you spell gloomhaven Uh, it could be but it's it's (laughs) it is uh very large box. It's also a miniatures game. I didn't even know that it was on Kickstarter. It like completely uh, went by us because I don't think we talked about it once. Yeah, it was a while ago that this was up. I think it was a last year game, I think. Hey, yeah, it must have just fulfilled. Um, I'm going to put it in the chat so you can look at it. Um, 
you just got to go to the part where they open it. Yeah, the box is bigger than Gloomhaven. There's a 3D um, oh, towers dang. and uh, <laughs> this is big, big. Yeah, it's huge. Dang, Josh, I feel like we missed out. Why didn't I get this? This thing is huge. Yeah, I know. Uh, I also feel like we missed out. I don't know. I can only imagine how much it costs. <laughs> oh, it was um, actually that I know. It was uh, the Assassin's Pledge, which is the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood of Venice game box and all unlocked stretch goals uh, uh, associated with just the base game was $119. Oh, that's not that bad, actually. <laughs> but the all-in pledge uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, was $285. Yowza. <laughs> so, because this was yeah. the one that was having a lot of shipping issues, too, as far as the price of shipping um, got super expensive because the game is so dang big. What's interesting about it is if you look at the Kickstarter page, because that's actually what I was looking at, and they show you, like, the box and, like, all the stuff. Yeah. It's really hard contextually to know how big that box is. Oh, yeah, you the don't scale is not... Yeah, because you're like, well, I don't know how big any of these other things are, so it's really hard to know like how big the box is. Yeah. But when you look at it on Board Game Geek, like you sent me, uh, yeah, this is some big stuff. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Yep. 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 And you know, we we've talked about this a little bit. Games just keep getting bigger. It, it seems like you have to really um, pull out all of the stops to get people to, or there's this feeling that you have to pull out all the stops in order to get people to back your product, and it has to be you know bigger, better. Uh, as you go here. But even if you think about the Horizon Zero Dawn board game, like the base game for that wasn't super big, but then all of the additions to it, like were taller than like a six foot person when you stacked them on top of each other or whatever yes. it was. So yeah. I guess that's just big in a different way. So, all right. Well, there you go, listener. If there's a, a is there a too big of a board game for you? Is there a, a board game size that you just have to pass on knowing that you just have to store this in your house for forever more, right? Because you can never get rid of games. Uh, so let us know. We'd love to hear from you. What is too big or is there a too big when it comes to board games? Uh, and with that, thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram. Also board with VG. We're a proud part of playing some video games and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like Edwin Kahlo, AJ Pentecost, Chris M., Devin Tyus, Joe Wilson, Josh Borboni, Nick Creature, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calicote, RJ Kern, Stephen Keller, Zach Adams, and of course, Horse Girl 69 have. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games or board game sizes, and we'd like to dive deeper into that world. We encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. With that, Josh, let's stop stop talking about the size of games, and let's start talking about some of the games we've played. So what have you been playing recently? I just finished scrolling to this Assassin's Creed thing. Yeah? There's a, there's a Tokyo expansion for present day. Oh, really? Is that like a, are we getting the new Assassin's it, Creed in Tokyo? Interesting. That's not what the rumors have been or the uh, the potential, but that's kind of neat. That's super neat, actually. Interesting. Okay, what have I been playing? What a great question. I've been playing a lot of stuff. Um, I'm back in the swing of things, but uh, uh, I actually left a few things out. Um, so, what have I been playing? The Artful Escape on Game Pass. This is that um, stylized... Uh, I don't even know what to classify this game uh, adventure game i suppose 
there, Tim where, Adventure? Yeah, you're playing as a uh, the uh, nephew. You're basically playing a game where you're Bob Dylan's nephew, <laughs> and you're expected you're Jacob to Dylan? play. Yeah, no, that's his son. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. Uh, basically, like you're you're the you're the next prodigy of this famous musician in this tiny town that has only known really this musician. And he's a folk singer. He looks just like Bob Dylan used to look like. And um, you're having like this existential crisis about like, I don't know that I want to play folk music. I think I like like space operas or whatever. Um, And you go on this, I would say trippy mystical quest. Uh, You are, you do play music in the game, but it's really not what you're imagining when I say that. It's very just much like holding in a button to play music. But there's like aliens and time lords and uh, stuff like that. It's very interesting. Um, I, I'm like four or five hours into the game, I think. I played a lot longer than I thought I was going to. And if the game is only that long, I'm half that way through it. <laughs> okay, I was say, I thought the game was only that long is what I have heard. Okay, so then I'm two and a half hours in and I feel like I've been playing for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that doesn't sound good. It's not a bad game at all. Um, it's just, there's just a lot going on and also not at the same time. It's more about exploring. Um, and I like, I make sure I, I, like, there's definitely paths you can take where you don't talk to everybody in the town and stuff. So maybe I'm longer because... I really wish I could just pull up my Xbox app and be like, you've played this many hours of this game. That would be helpful. According to How Long to Beat, which obviously updates over time, gets more accurate because more people have played it, uh, it says four to four and a half hours. Okay, so I'm probably halfway through then. So uh, it's definitely interesting and cool. I like it so far. Uh, I just have no concept of time, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I played more Aliens Fire Team with uh, Lucas. Um, we're continuing our trek through the missions, and he he just got his Series X, so he was able to experience it in its full glory, meaning no slowdowns when lots of aliens are coming after you. <laughs> um, we did die a few times in the mission we were on because we... Uh, uh, didn't anticipate the difficulty. Um, I don't know if I talked about the challenge cards before, but you do get challenge cards when you play the game. And some of them help you, some of them make it more challenging. But if you're playing on a team and you choose one, the game just randomly chooses one of the two or three selected ones. So you're not even guaranteed to get the challenge card that you play. And the first time we did the mission, the challenge card I picked was um, double your... Um, health bar so uh it seemed to be working but then lucas's console decided to update in the middle of us playing the game so he he got booted and then i had to quit out so we lost that challenge card um so the next time we played we did die because we were used to having double health (laughs) yeah but we did eventually complete the mission um and that's a lot of fun uh we're having a lot of fun playing together definitely like i said before aliens fire team is a great game to play with friends because it is fun. Uh, I uh, what do I want to say next? Okay, so I'm playing. I started XCOM Chimera Squad um, because I'm getting jealous of that you're playing Mario and Rabbids and all <laughs> tactics games have been like on my mind recently. Um, and you know, sometimes before we record, I'll come into my office, which is where my computer is, and I'll look at my Steam library. So I tried. 
a couple games today to weed them out of my Steam library, and then I was like, okay, XCOM Chimera Squad is still on here. I've been like, and of course, I always play it when I don't have enough time to really get into a game. Um, but we started a little bit late today, so I had extra time. So I put about uh, 45 minutes into the game. Okay. It reminded me of how much I miss XCOM. Like, I haven't played XCOM in a long time. Uh, XCOM Chimera Squad, it, it, seem, it comes across different. It adds a comic book style feel to the narrative. Um, and it's all, it's fully voiced so far. It's fully voice acted and it, it has like a comic zone style animation where they talk you through what you're about to do. Um, and there's a lot of about this type of tactics game that I forgot about. Um, cause even playing games like Wasteland, um, or, uh, Mutant Year Zero or even Gears Tactics, uh, XCOM has a lot more, um, role importance i think i'm going to use that as a word role importance when you play so the first mission is a lot of fun they have a thing called breach so every time you clear a room it's not the last room you're doing you have to breach the next room and you have to choose from your available team how to breach who's going to breach first and if they have uh certain skills where they can like maybe maybe their breach is like demolition so they can blow a hole in a wall you can also split up your team if you want where like two people will breach one room and two people will breach from the other side. Mm-hmm. And when you do breach, it's very much like rainbow six where you catch people off guard and you have initiative essentially. Uh, and as that goes through, like later in the game, after you complete the first mission, uh, you can research new um, equipment, but you have to, uh, you don't have to, but you can assign team members to speed up the process. You can also recruit new team members. I thought it was really cool that I was able to recruit like a snake character as a new character. Um, but it, it brings a whole new level to like thinking through what you're about to do. And they give you a lot of choice. But the game feels great. It plays really good. I'm playing on PC, obviously. Um, I know you can play some of these games on console or on mobile. Uh, but the, uh, definitely having a lot of fun with that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing playing that Uh as well uh speaking uh speaking of games i'm enjoying playing i'm playing lost in random on the playstation 5 uh lost in random was a game we weren't really sure about um but we knew it was a double a game coming out at like 30 no, 40 30 or 40 bucks i, I think mm-hmm. 40 bucks um it involved dice so we were we were both intrigued <laughs> about it um it also involves cards if that makes you more intrigued uh I will admit, I didn't really look too much into this game before I grabbed it. I know it was on like a couple of PlayStation um, um, state of plays, but uh, it's definitely a very nice mix of Coraline and Nightmare Before Christmas as far as the look and story of the game goes. Uh, Meets the Hunger Games, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So Lost and Random, Random is kind of like, I guess... That hasn't been fully explained yet, but I would call random like this universe or this planet or whatever it is. The queen, who seems to be the bad guy, is the one who decides the fate of these, uh, we'll call them districts, and they're represented by a six-sided die. So there's one through six. And she will roll a die, and it will decide what she's going to do 
or if she's going to take away from that district uh, or or area. But also, when anyone in the in these areas turn twelve, they have to roll the die themselves to get placed in a in one of the one through six places. They call them sixers, which is a little bit of a ripoff, but that's okay. Um, where sixers basically are put in the queens on the queen side. They go to where the queen is, and the rumor is that that is like the luxury life. But mm-hmm. no one really knows if that's the case. And you play a girl uh, who has a sister. Their names are Odd and Even. And your sister rolls a six on her 12th birthday and is taken away from your family. But you are now haunted by this image that something is not right. Um, and you go off on your quest. Eventually you meet Dicey, who is a die. And uh, when you use Dicey, you are trying to gain, I don't know the name of this uh, power, but when you shoot bad guys with your slingshots, they drop like crystals. And when you pick them up, it powers up your die. And then you throw your die, and however many points you have, you have to choose from your available cards as to what you're going to do um, with your points to your card value in, in means of attack. Like one of them, you can summon a sword or summon a bow and arrow or summon a bomb, and you unlock more cards the, the further you get in the game. Uh, I'm really enjoying it a lot, and actually, it is a bit scary, but my son actually watched... He was playing cars in the other room when I fired it up, but he got so like captivated by it. He like zombie walked into the room, like didn't take his eyes off the TV and was like, where's Daisy? Follow the ghost. You know, he was very, oh, that's scary. Like he was very into it. So um, it seemed okay for, for kids as well, but I really enjoyed my time with it. How far are you in? How many hours did you say you've played it? Ooh, well, now that we know my sense of time is crazy off, I would say <laughs> I'm between two to three hours in. Okay. Uh, I started over because there was a night that I decided to try that, Tales of Arise, Genshin Impact, and Vist, and I completely don't remember any of, because I tried them all for like 30 minutes, uh-huh. and I, I lost <laughs> all concept of any time I put into any of those games, <laughs> No, I which is why I removed it from my what I've been playing list. Um, uh, God, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, the reason I asked this because it doesn't seem like a lot. I don't feel like a lot of people are playing this game, uh, which is kind of disappointing because it seems really cool and really unique. Yeah. Uh, you know, the developer Zoink uh, has done. They're the folks who did Ghost Giant, uh, the VR game, but then they also did Fee or Fay or however you say that game, just the FE game and oh, Flipping yeah. Death and Stick It to the Man. Like they've done really unique interesting games in the past and this is a game i have downloaded but i haven't had a chance to play yet um so yeah i'm interested in it i just wasn't certain if you had an idea of like how the story is going if you you know if you're like oh i feel like i've made really good progress in my time Uh, you know (laughs) yes where you're at as far as that goes yeah i mean the look of the game is great um i like the combat it's not boring it's fun um the different types of bosses are interesting and i always feel underpowered uh so it seems challenging as well which is cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of challenging and underpowered, I'm playing Deathloop uh, as well. Uh, this is my first real time, like my first time playing a game by this company, truly. Mm-hmm. I, I played Prey when the demo was out, and that's it. I tried um, um, that game that everyone loves. Dishonored? Dishonored when it came to Game Pass, and I thought it was just too dated and... 
you know, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, so I said to my wife the other night, I was like, hey, I just want to play Deathloop for like an hour to get a good hour in. And like four hours later, she was like, what happened to an hour? And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oopsie. I really enjoy it. Uh, what I, One of the reasons why I didn't stop per se is because I didn't think I could pause it. But then I did Google. It does put you like always online, but there is a way to change it. So mm-hmm. it's not. So I could have paused it. Uh, but I, instead, what I did was I just completed a full day without dying. So I did that instead <laughs> <laughs> of pausing it. So, yeah, so Deathloop, I really enjoy the – it feels to me like I'm playing Bioshock. I enjoy the idea of being able to play the way I want to, which is 20% stealth, 80% guns out. Like, you can change it up so many different ways with hacking. And uh, it really feels kind of like Deus Ex as well to me if you want to play it that way. Um, but I can appreciate how other people, in fact, the, some of the people I've seen playing it played it way different than I did. Right. And actually probably wouldn't make me enjoy it the way they played it. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, cause you can like pick up turrets and like put them other places. Uh, I did spend 40 minutes doing a task that I thought I had to search for something, but I could have done it in the room that I was assigned the task. I oh. just didn't look hard enough. Gotcha. <laughs> So that was frustrating, but I still had fun while I was trying to do it. So basically, uh, the Deathloop thing, while it does play with this Groundhog Day element, it isn't. It, it's not as bad as I think people think it is. Like you, you, everything you learn, you take with you, and when you come back to visit, like you don't come back with like your guns, which is, I guess, a little frustrating. But it's like Hades. But if you like, uh, if you're, if you learned all these things about a map, you don't have to try to relearn them just to complete an area. And then you do them in day in in cycles of time. So there's like morning, evening, afternoon, and night, or or at morning, afternoon, evening, and night. Once you complete a day, for me at least, at the end of the day, there was some type of boss fight, uh, which I completed, and then it started me over. But you do find like. A hideout you're basically you play the role of Cole and you're originally you wake up you don't know what happened you just like have amnesia essentially uh, but then you start to realize what happened and the longer you play the more your character realizes which I really like that aspect of it um, I like that it's mature and it's adult and they're swearing and and kind of like when we saw the trailer for um the game everyone's forespoken where the mm-hmm. girl's like where the f- like where the f yeah. am i like it feels very real like i don't know that he is over swearing he just swears the way i would picture someone like that would swear um it doesn't feel unnatural um but yes i i know you want to talk about this so i don't want to spend too much time on my own part um so when when you talk about your playthrough we should probably probably just cut one of my topics so we can keep the show running normal. Oh no, we're uh, fine. We're fine. Uh, but yes, I'm really enjoying it, uh, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk some more about it when we get to what you've been playing. Um, just to kind of get through the rest of what I've been playing, I was on vacation on the Cape, so it's been a little bit more than a week for us. 
I did play three new games, so I did complete my homework. Dang! Um, one of the games was Naya, or Nia, I think it's called Naya, and it's essentially a fancy Japanese Connect 4 style game. Uh, I don't need to get too much into it. It's a really um, interesting, fun take on the Connect 4 aspect for two players. I enjoyed playing it. Um, I won, I think, three out of the four games I played. So I felt Hence pretty good about that. That's why you liked it so much. Yeah, I felt <laughs> pretty good about that. Um, I didn't write down the name of the game, so Joe's probably going to kill me. I did share pictures about the Panda game we played, um, which was a dice rolling um, half dexterity game. That was pretty fun. Um, I'll update. I'll update next week on what that was. Uh, and Forbidden Waters, that was the big one, right? We didn't play nearly as many board games as I think me or Joe thought we were going to play because people were we were just eating too much and drinking too much and enjoying ourselves just fine. So we didn't play a lot of board games. But Forbidden Waters, we really sat down. I think what was funny was we sat down with five people. We played with three. <laughs> Two people would just call it quits before we even started playing. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we had to play two characters each when we played uh, Forbidden Waters, a fully voice narrated app game, which was pretty cool. I had like put on my like Sea of Thieves playlist on Spotify thinking we needed like pirate music. And then once my buddy Joe started playing like the app, it just had its own music. And, oh, there you go. And characters were, were saying their own lines. But and and if I goof, um, I will get a text on Wednesday about what I goofed. So I'll update okay. it next week. Um, but you all each each character you're playing is responsible for a different part of the ship. Uh, my two characters, one of them was responsible for supplies, and one of them was responsible for cannons. Uh, and and each other people had different jobs. Uh, it is a legacy. St- style game we did do a save point when we finished the first chapter Um, but you end up on this unexplored map and what you're doing is you're trying to complete whatever your mission is Um, ours was to get to a certain island find something and get to somewhere else while being pursued by bad guy pirates who want to kill us and the way it works is they don't want you looking ahead you open it has it's a it's crossroads game and it's also a storybook game so you have your own board but you also have the storybook so you will go to a certain page and on the app it'll ask you like type in numbers for whatever they they want you to read to you so you type in like 803 and then it'll read you a passage Uh, you'll make a choice and then you'll do what's next on your pages you're going to assign your characters to a certain spot on the page which they encourage you not to read and then you will do that action on the page sometimes it locks the location so you can only do it once well all right dear listener we just had a little bit of an internet or (laughs) skype or some sort of little hiccup there so you know we're going to try to get back on track here so if things seem a bit disjointed as josh gets back into talking about forbidden waters that's why is because we don't exactly know where everything got lost so josh you were talking about forbidden waters tell us more yes i was talking about locking on pages uh if you don't if you're in like open waters and you open waters open sea and you don't progress from the page you're on you will then retake your turn after everyone goes so some locations might be locked so you can't do them again 
Uh, and sometimes you're forced to do uh, these red exclamation marks uh, that aren't good. Uh, but you're always constantly trying to battle your supplies and your ship's hull, but you're always challenged to sacrifice them for progress. Um, I had a lot of fun. It was really uh, a great time, and I and I just don't know when I want to play it more. But between Pathfinder and Gloomhaven, I don't I like. I don't know when we're possibly going to fit another legacy style game in, but I really enjoyed it. Um, the theme was perfect. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. Awesome. Well, it sounds like fun. That is one of those games that I would like to get to at some point. Is it minimum three player? I think, uh, you know, there's probably a world where because we had to play multiple roles, you could play it less than three. Um, but I think it's like three to six players uh, as far as like the box goes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Josh, it sounds like you've been playing a lot. I also have been playing a decent amount. Uh, most of these I'm not going to talk about too long because I've already talked about almost all of them once before. Uh, but starting on the board game side, still playing Sleeping Gods. I think last time we chatted, I talked about how we had discovered our first totem. Uh, we're up to like six now. So we're making some pretty good progress. Uh, I'm probably not going to talk about the game much more moving forward until maybe we hit the part where we actually like, quote unquote, reach the end. Um, but I will say, Josh, that this game might be nudging its way into one of my top five favorite games of all time. Nice. I'm really, really enjoying my experience with Sleeping Gods. It is so much fun. Uh, just the way the story is told, uh, the threads that you can pull on. Uh, it just is so it's such a fun time. The, the decisions you have to make feel like there's not always a really a great decision. You're like, I don't know which of these to do. And I don't know what's going to happen if I do any of them, you know, and, and it you genuinely get surprising results sometimes where you're like, well, I'm going to do this because I think, you know, if I do X, I think Y might happen. And you do X and, you know, Q happens. You're like, what? That's not what I expected <laughs> at all. And that I think that could be frustrating to some people. But for me, I really enjoy it. It takes off some pressure, whereas like you feel like there's a quote unquote right way to do things. But there you realize that there maybe isn't that just sometimes kind of going with your gut or or trying to take what seems as the most fun option uh, is totally worthwhile to do. It isn't just about trying to game the entire system. Uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, and combat in it always is tense. Like every single combat we've been in, we always feel like we don't know if we're going to win. And we typically have. So that's great. But every single time you're like, uh, I think this is going to go. Like, how is this going to go? Like, it, it's really uh, overall so far really well balanced and all that good stuff. So Sleeping Gods, really enjoying it. Like I said, probably won't mention it again until we get to the point where we're kind of, quote unquote, done uh, with our first run through of it. But really enjoying it. I'm still playing Fist uh, Forged in Shadow Torch, which I know I've talked about previously. Uh, that little Metroidvania, Castlevania style uh, game where you play the nice little bunny going out, doing his stuff. I'm uh, still really enjoying it. I think the combat in this game uh, is what I think sets it apart probably from other games of this nature. There are not, I know that other games like this have boss fights and all that other good stuff, but just the, how you string things together, the combos you can create, how you use the different powers between the different weapons that you have. To me, it just feels different than a lot of what I've experienced in other games of this style. And I think that might be what sets it slightly apart. I don't know if it makes it better, but I think that is one thing that's a bit unique is just kind of the way combat works and the kind of plotting pace of the combat in this game. Uh, really enjoying it still. One of the games that every time I sit down to play a game, I kind of decide between like four or five things that I'm going to play. And this is still one that's in the rotation. Um, and I would like to see through to the end. Really enjoying it still. Uh, also booted up Tales of Arise. Mm. Uh, I know, Josh, you have played this very briefly. I'm assuming 
so briefly you didn't want to talk about it yet. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. ready to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I'm about, I'm not super far into it. Four, four and a half hours probably. Uh, as far how far I am into Tales of Arise. Uh, if you're not familiar, listener, the Tales of series has kind of been going on for quite some time. Uh, an action JRPG series where you have it's pretty that it's got a really strong fan base like the people who love tales games really love tales games and are very honest about kind of their feelings on them uh, and there are some really good ones and some that are not so good uh, this seems to be a little bit of a breakout game in the series as many more people are playing it i think than traditionally have i saw something the other day that this game reached a million a million copies sold faster than wow. any previous tales game has uh, so it definitely seems to be a little bit of a step apart and I think a big part of that is the visuals. The Tales of series has always been, a, I don't want to say dated, but a bit dated uh, as far as the way the game looks, though the music and the story and the action has always been pretty darn good. Um, the story kind of tends to be a little bit where people are like into or not into it. Uh, but this one I'm enjoying so far. It's actually really dark, like the concept of what is going on in the world even what you know, you kind of layer the anime style on top of it, which I think probably might detract for some people. But this is basically about a slave uprising right now. Like as far as I am into the game, that's really what it's about. So it's kind of dark of what they're talking about and, and the concepts that they're dealing with and, and the things that they're navigating. So I'm enjoying it so far. The combat is uh, complex but straightforward. If you kind of want it to be right now, uh, I've read that it gets much more complicated later, but they keep layering new like things on top of it, which I'm really enjoying. But so far, having a good time with Tales of Arise, uh, plan to continue playing this one. Uh, another game I'm playing, just like Josh, is Deathloop, though I am not as far into it as Josh is. I'm only probably about 90 minutes into Deathloop, and I don't know that I'm loving it as much as other people are. Uh, I am someone who did not like Dishonored 1 and Dishonored 2 anywhere near as much as other people seem to, and this game very much feels like Dishonored in a different setting to me, that they took the skills and abilities and the gameplay of Dishonored and put it in this other world. Uh, it's not bad. I'm not saying that at all. I just don't know if it's for me. And there's just something about the way the game feels that is, I don't know. I, I, I've always struggled with it. Now, it could be just because I'm in the onboarding part. And when things get more open and I have more ability to kind of go on my own, I might feel very differently about it. So I do want to keep playing it. And I plan to keep playing it. Uh, but right now, I am not as high on it as pretty much everyone else in the world seems to <laughs> I'm not, again I'm not saying it's a bad game I feel like this is gonna be like the whole Far Cry 5 situation again where I'm Kyle, not saying it's Kyle bad it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't like it as much as everyone else does uh, but like I said I'm gonna keep playing it because I do want to get to that kind of more open opportunity and that open experience um, yeah and kind of see how that goes uh, and, and see where things take me there uh, the final thing that I've been playing is uh, Call of Duty Vanguard has their open multiplayer beta going on right now and actually just got extended to Wednesday. Uh, so it's going to be going on for a few more days. And actually, you could still play it tonight if you listen to this on Tuesday. Uh, as you know, listener, I, I talk about Call of Duty from time to time. I play Call of Duty basically every single year. Used to be someone who played a ton of Call of Duty multiplayer. Uh, and I talked about the Champion Hill Alpha that they did a couple weeks ago that I was not mm. a huge fan of. Um, and this beta, currently, uh, also not a huge fan. So I know it's a beta, so a lot of these things can get fixed, and I hope they do. But number one, I'm playing it on PlayStation 5, and I think the I'm happy for that because apparently on Xbox Series X, though they just released a patch today, the game is like just 
in rough shape apparently <laughs> like really bad um visual blurring and and like you can see videos online of it and it's it's bad like whole things like just snapping in and out and like while you're running around trying to play the whole game is just like psychedelic around you like really having some challenges but hey that's why they do betas right is to get these things figured out uh seeing enemies is still challenging not as bad as it used to be uh, but it, it still can definitely be a hard time to pick people out uh and they've done some things actually to try to fix that and i think it's worked better it's still not as good as it could be uh but some 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 good work has been done there uh it is nice because the weapons do actually feel like they have a bit of kick right now uh some of the weapons do feel a little overpowered but i think that's just because they're the weapons that most people tend to gravitate towards that they've used before so things like the mp40 and those usual guns that you see people kind of wrecking house with uh still seem very very good uh the mp40 seems like it shoots like a darn laser beam i don't know how that works but hey no problem right like <laughs> an mp40 should be able to take someone out from halfway across the map that seems reasonable uh but that's just kind of the way it's always been. Oh, you're not bitter. Like, I'm not bitter. I'm not. As somebody who doesn't play with SMGs very much, it's always just SMG players are always like, hey, I should be able to like fight assault rifle players at assault rifle distances. And it's like, it doesn't feel like it should work that way. Right. But then the game always does because they just complain a lot. Um, if that's you, listener, I apologize. That's just the way it feels as someone who plays ARs most of the time. Um, so, yeah. So it, that stuff is going on. But, Josh, the spawns in this game are so bad. Like, spawn systems in multiplayer games, I'm sure, are very challenging. I have no doubts that they're very challenging. But there are things that are happening in this game that right now that are downright, like, inexcusable. And I know it's the beta, so hopefully they can fix this before release. But, Josh, there was, a ga- there was one game I was playing that in the course of about 45 seconds, I spawned. In, the room was called Kitchen. I spawned in the kitchen, and another one of my teammates spawned in there. But then two members of the enemy team spawned in the exact same room. Another team, another person from the enemy team came into the room. So me and the other person were able to kill the people who spawned in. The other person killed us. I spawned back into the exact same room. And like over the course of this 45 seconds of game, I spawned into that exact same room three times. And members of my team did, as did members of the enemy team. We all spawned in the exact same place, Josh. Yeah. For about 45 seconds. And it was just like this cycle of like <laughs> just pulling the trigger, like pulling like a, down like a death like, loop. Yeah. Yes. It was like a death <laughs> loop, Josh. It was ridiculous. And I've never seen, I know Sabans are bad sometimes, but I've never quite experienced something quite that bad where it was just, and I think part of the problem was is that for this game mode, it, I can't remember what the name of it is. I stopped playing it immediately after that because I was like, this is horrible. Um, but basically, there's this moving hill that you have to, and the hill literally moves. Not like, oh, it's here, and you hold it here for 45 seconds, and then it goes to a different location. The hill is literally moving on the map, and you have to like stay in the hill as it moves to get points for it. Well, because of that movement, I think it just messes with the spawn system in like where it thinks is quote unquote safe and where it thinks the action is going to be because of how that's going. Um so it made it very challenging and just, oh, gosh. <laughs> and now Josh is showing me his cat <laughs> who's playing and looking adorable. But, yeah, so I don't know. It, yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> it does. It does cheer me up. Um, 
and the audio is not very good still. Uh, footsteps are super quiet, which I know some people are a big fan of. I don't think they need to change that, but it, the sound is just very muddy. It's really, really hard to hear where anything is coming from. Uh, and there are things where you're like, oh, this is clearly to my left, and then it's to your right, or you think it's to your right, and it's behind you. Like, there's just really some challenges as far as audio goes. Uh, so they have some work to do. Um, the, the, I'm not overall a fan of what's happening there. The weapons feel fine. Like, all that stuff to me. The time, well, I take that back. The time to kill is a little bit weird because. Like you will count um, like hit markers that you get and I think, okay, well, I got the five hit markers I need. I can reload. Well, then suddenly that person is still shooting at you and you're like, how are they still shooting at me? Mm. And then you'll see the replay and the number of hit markers I saw are not the same as what shows in the replay. And the amount of times I've had like packet loss while playing this game and like literally getting errors on my screen that are telling me that packet loss is happening or that I, the game will just freeze for like four seconds and you can't do anything. Like again, it's a beta. They just got a lot of work to do for a game that's coming out in six weeks, a lot of work to do. And hopefully they fix it all. I can't imagine they're going to be able to get all of it done though. So yeah, I have just explained to people. Uh, how you min-max board games, you basically do the same for video games. <laughs> You're like, what do you mean? I counted all the hit markers. <laughs> well, you just you get into this rhythm of, especially like when you get used to your weapons in, in Call of Duty games, like you know how many hits it takes to take a, your no, opponent I'm, down. Yes. So you I'm not shaming you. I'm just pointing it out. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> That's the competitiveness in you. It is. I am very competitive. And yes. I the challenge of a game like this call of duty vanguard like the state it's in right now uh is it's hard to care because it never feels like you're playing in an i don't even want to say optimal but like equitable condition like if i always knew something was going to react a certain way i would know what to do but when you don't know how it's going to react or how it's going to work that makes it very very hard um so yeah they have some work to do uh i was kind of like with all everything going on with activision blizzard i was like oh i'm not going to get call of duty but then after people who worked at activision blizzard were like yo please support our game still i was like okay well maybe i will get call of duty but now having played call of duty (laughs) this year i'm like maybe i'm not getting call of duty so we'll have to wait and see but uh yeah they got some work to do there i think um yeah oh yeah and the map design for the maps that they have is is not good but hey (laughs) it's only three of like the 20 maps that are launching with it so it's fine yeah but anyway, <laughs> a lot about what we've been playing. Josh, let's move on to some topics of the show. Uh, what is your first topic this week? Well, let's do this quick, okay? This one, um, because I feel like your topics, which I want to talk about, um, will be longer. And you've skipped one of them a couple times because either I have gone too long or we have both been going too long. It's a we thing. It's a, it's a joint effort here. Well, some, you know, sometimes I do uh, go too long. I'm self-aware in that regard. <laughs> uh, so... If you're like me and you see some of these living card games and you're uh, a little bit overwhelmed about jumping in because you're getting in way too late, uh, well, another game has joined what we now see Ashes Reborn doing, um, and it is the Lord of the Rings, the card game. It's being revived uh, with a revised core set, and actually it's pretty much very similar to how Ashes is doing it. They're going to release... A core set, which will come with basically everything you need to play one to four player game, uh, or sorry, up to four player game. Um, and it, for people who already own the game, if all these new things that they're adding, like um, campaign, 
stuff, extra boons and extra burdens. Uh, those will be able to be printed for free to people who already own the original Lord of the Rings living card game um, sets. They're also going to start re-releasing some of their old expansion packs as well, um, but all in this idea of, hey, let's make it easier for you to jump in to this game by giving you a jumping off point, which I think has been the biggest challenge of of games like this. And actually, I'm actually I think I will probably bite on this because uh, my wife's familiar enough with Lord of the Rings and enjoys it. And this is something I always wish I got into. And we don't have a living card game that we're playing together. And this is, I know is something that we could, I know if we only have an hour to play games, like this is something we can do, which is a bonus. And once we learn it once, it will take significantly less time each time we play it. So now I know your household is a Lord of the Rings uh, household, right? Fans it of, is. of the genre. Have you played Lord of the Rings, the LCG? And if you have or haven't, what's your interest in this? I have. I actually own this game, the base game, and I have a couple of the expansions of the initial uh, expansions, whatever you want to call them, that they released for it. And this is a really good game, Josh. It's also very hard and far yeah. more complicated than you'd anticipate. Okay. Uh, so I like this game. But I think we had to play through the initial scenario three or four times before we felt like we actually really understood the rules and before we were able to beat it. Uh, it's tough. It's a really tough game, at least maybe or maybe we were just really bad at it, which is definitely possible. This is a game that uh, the original version of it came out some time ago. So it was definitely earlier in our uh, hobby board gaming experiences. Right. This was probably sure. the most comp- one of the more complicated games we got right away. Uh, but I really enjoy it. It is a fun game. But like I said, uh, you know that you're buckling up for a pretty challenging uh, adventure in Middle Earth. So okay, cool. Well, there you go. Uh, double, double think, double think. What am I trying to say? I don't know. Rethink to go in cautiously. <laughs> I would just say be prepared for a challenging experience. But it is a good, well done game. Uh, but it's not going to be a happy walkthrough. You know, they're taking the. Oh man! Well now they're taking the Hobbit's Tyson card. Like it's not going to be like super like <laughs> yes. lighthearted like that video is, right? So yeah. Sure. Okay. So we don't know we don't know the price yet. Uh, we do know it's coming to stores early next year. So uh, I actually the, the price point will probably be my where I decide what I'm doing. But I'm definitely interested in checking this out. Yeah, and I do think that is one of the neat things about uh, most of the living card games from fantasy flights they tend to be a bit more affordable i think 40 bucks usually is like kind of the entry point is right around there yeah and that's the what I would be. yeah and then the expansions like when they come out with the new deck packs are usually somewhere between 10 and 20 depending on kind of all of this being added and all that good stuff so okay. um re- a, a nice way to kind of continually add nice stuff and, and a, at a reasonable price especially if it's only two or three times a year so sure awesome all right josh well hey it's time it's time to bring it back um and i've made some changes to the names of our board game rankings but You'll see why in a little bit, but we're going to add some more games to the official board with video games, official game rankings. Um, this is a, a reoccurring series where every once in a while, Josh and I each bring a couple games that we want to add to our current ranking of 28 games, which the top five going from five to one are Lords of Waterdeep, Everdell, Century Golem Edition, Pandemic and Gloomhaven. And the bottom three, 26 uh, to 28 are Machikoro, 
Sentinels of the Multiverse and Wasteland Express Delivery Service. So with that, we're just going to take some games, uh, add them to the list, and keep in mind, listener, that we may have played these, we may not have played these. This is our list, so we are half, we are able to use anything we want to in determining where these go. Uh, mm-hmm. So with that, Josh, what is your first game you'd like to add to the list this week? Villainous. Ooh, <laughs> Villainous. Why did you decide you wanted to bring up Villainous, Josh? I thought I would bring up a hard choice in recent game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Whew. I know. I feel like you're a bigger fan of Villainous than I am, only because I feel like you play it way more than I do. I mean, Pandemic really helped me play that game more because I played it over Skype, for sure. That's and true. I played it a handful of times. Uh, now, are, now, to clarify, are we specifically talking about Disney Villainous or are we talking about Marvel Villainous? Well, I think Disney Villainous is just called Villainous. I think when you look it up in BGG, it, it actually villainous? does say Disney Villainous. So Disney because, Villainous. Yeah, because it does differentiate that way. You have Marvel Villainous is a separate thing. Okay. So and Disney that's a core game, right? Because we're not including expansions. Right. Okay. So, uh, listener, if you're not familiar, uh, this game came out a couple years ago, 2018. So a few years ago that this came out uh, from those fine folks over at Prospero Hall, who are also mm-hmm. now doing, did you see this, Josh? The Jurassic World game that they have coming next yeah, year? Yeah, I shared it in our Discord. That's why I, I thought you had shared it, that they have a... Uh, legacy game for pandemic uh legacy game for pandemic legacy <laughs> game for Jurassic world coming from prospero hall next year which is pretty exciting yes. um but josh you know like i said this is a game i know you've played tons more than me um and i think overall like it more than me but i do enjoy it uh what, what's your initial hankering where are you initially thinking i i wonder where you are on this compared to me right now <laughs> honestly uh i'm between in between tiny towns and tickets ride Ooh, okay, that is higher than I was at. I I was definitely more in the uh, eleven twelve area of Dominion Harry Potter sure. Hogwarts battle. Okay, uh, and really the my thought process with that was, if given the choice between playing, actually I probably right now would be after Harry Potter Hogwarts battle and before Mysterium. Because okay. in looking at these games, that's probably if I was like, would I want to play these games? Other games, like that's kind of where I'd suddenly be like, nope, I'd rather probably play Villainous before Mysterium. Though, it might depend on who I'm playing it with, too. Right. I might be convinced to go earlier then. I, For me, I, I wouldn't put it below Dominion, but I do understand that you like Dominion more than me. I really think, like, thinking about Villainous and its expansions, a lot of games, when they add expansions, it's... It, it improves on part of the game. I really think that every villainous expansion is just as good mm-hmm. and never falters from how good the base game is. Okay. And, and you can take that as a positive or negative or neutral, but I really think it still complements the base game. It's just giving you more options, but it's not like, so like Dominion, right? Uh, some expansions, you have to learn new mechanics. Yeah. Um, and I think only one Disney villainous Actually, you know what? Uh, it's Marvel Villainous that adds a different one. I don't even think Disney one does it. Uh, so I, I do think that there's a difference there, but I'm also happy to concede um, to having it below Dominion because it's a list for both of us. <laughs> well, what really surprised me with this, Josh, is you have it. You say you like it more than Ascension. You know, I think it's more accessible. Yeah, I do. And that's something I can't get out of my comparing to other games is the accessibility. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in theming and uh, kind of like Century Gollum Edition over Century Spice Roads. Like, I just feel like sometimes that theme really just pushes the game forward more. 
I, yeah, I mean, there's very few games I like more than Ascension. Yeah. But but apparently, Villainous is a, one of them. But I can't sit down with my mom and play Ascension. I can't sit down with um, a lot of people and play Ascension. But I know. Well, like, I mean, if, as I say, if that's the rationale, though, then I mean, we has to be number one, right? Because we can't well, sit down with not, your mom and play Gloomhaven it's either. It's not the rationale for everything. It's just oh, my, my, okay. It's just my means of trying to score it somewhere. Um. Which is why I put it between t- Tiny Towns and Tickets Ride because it's as easy as both of those games. Actually, it's harder to learn, but once you know it, um, I just that's why I put it there. But I mean, I'm happy to put it where you uh, between Hogwarts and Mysterium if you would like. Well, let's let's uh, split the difference here a little bit to be equitable as best <laughs> we can here. Um, I would be comfortable putting it either immediately in front of or immediately behind Ascension. So putting it either in that like. Uh, between Caverna and Ascension, so it'd be like the new number nine, or between Ascension and Azul, so it'd be the new number ten. Well, then I'll meet you halfway, halfway. I'll meet you three quarters of the way, and we can put it between Azul and Dominion. Between Azul and Dominion? Wow, you're like volunteering to put it even lower? <laughs> well, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I know it's not a game for everybody, but uh, this is our list, so it needs to represent both of our shared interests. All right, there's the new number 11, Villainous, Disney Villainous, I guess I should specify, in case in case we ever want to add Marvel Villainous to the list, the new <laughs> where, number 11. Where will that end up? <laughs> where will that end up? All right, Josh, the one game that I am bringing to the table this week, which is a game I'm surprised is not on the list, but it's time we talk about it, Josh. The game that you played wrong for so long. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Here we go, Seven Wonders, Josh. You know, one of those games that I think has kind of become an evergreen, if you would, right? A, a game yeah. that, you know, it's a top 100 board game, geek game, uh, kind of one of the rec- easy to recommend to everyone, plays with a huge, you know, two to seven players, which is just kind of ridiculous. Uh, really great introduction to a card drafting game, uh, a game that most people in the hobby are you, like, you know, even if yeah. you're super hardcore as something that you can still sit down easily and, and play between those heavier games. Uh what are your thoughts, man? Seven Wonders. I know you like this uh, game a lot. Yeah, and it has a new version out, which makes it, it more current. And they just announced a brand new version of the game, Seven Wonders Architects, uh, which seems to take a new, have a little a fresh take on it as well. I mean, I love Seven Wonders. Uh, it's a game, I agree, it's evergreen. It's a game I brought with us on vacation. We just didn't play it, but I brought it. Like, that says something. I brought it with us. Yeah. Uh, it's a game I'm dying. I'm still dying to play the new version of because I like it so much. I don't know that I'd ever play it two players. That's what Seven Wonders Duel is for. But it's yeah. nice that it is available to be played with two players. It is with that you know interesting third player fake third yeah, player where the, you, make, the you get to make decisions. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that so usually never that, works know. out in your favor. Yeah, and if you're both really mean to each other, you can have the third player win. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, I think that happened once for us. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I love Seven Wonders. I, uh, gaming board game staple. Yeah. So where do you where do you think is a good place for Seven mm-mm, Wonders mm-mm, on this list? Mm-mm. No. Oh. No. Okay. I to... You you always make me pick. I do. <laughs> Even I do. the it's ones true. that you mentioned, you make me pick. <laughs> so my initial thought process, and I this is gonna be tough because I, you know you're higher on villainous than I anticipated. Uh, I am feeling between Lords of Waterdeep and Tiny Towns. So I'm thinking like the new number six. Okay. Yep. That's right where I was thinking too. Uh, so do, like, do you want to go right there? Yeah. 
Okay, so there we go. That was actually, I, I thought you might actually want to go higher uh, than that. Is kind of what I was anticipating you might want to do. So I was surprised there. But Seven Wonders, uh, our new number six game on the list between Lords of Waterdeep and Tiny Town. So not quite cracking the top five, but just right there. All right, Josh, what is your next game? Okay, so I've been trying to figure out I keep I want to try to pick a game that we have both played, right? Like I know that sometimes you run into points where it's challenging yeah. for us to figure out. Um so I figured I would make uh this the hardest decision we'll make today. Oh, well you don't know what my next game is, but we'll see. We'll see. Challenge Settlers of Catan. Oh, okay, that is a good pick. <laughs> we really not put that on here yet? Wow, we, we haven't. Have not. Oh boy, this is a tough one. Okay, okay. And this is just the base game. Now, can I ask, is this with the five to six player expansion or is this just the up to four player? I think uh, in, if you include the five to six player expansion, I think that's fine because it doesn't change any game mechanics. Right, just changes the fun you can have. It just Yeah, it just makes it more available for parties. Not parties, but like parties. <laughs> so, you know, Settlers, the kind of... I think the the big game that really kind of kicked the hobby board game market into the mainstream. And I mean, when we talk about evergreen game, like a, a game that can survive on being its own thing, like that's all that company does is stuff for Settlers of Catan. So uh, a game, you know, we've played, we've both played a ton. Uh, yeah. yeah, Josh, I don't know. I'm really struggling with this one. What do you think? Uh, for me, it's easy, but uh, I know uh, that this might be hard for you. And, for, and, I don't think you know where I would put it based off You're of right. I probably don't. In fact, I saw I saw my local FLGS. I read their newsletter and they uh, not my local one, but they have a different location. That's about 40 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. Got the um, 3D version in. And I was like, oh. I wonder if I could sell some comics to get that for free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so honestly, Five years ago, Josh would have put this at number two easily. Wow. Okay. Right now, I am very comfortably putting it at number four, but I know that you're probably nowhere near that. (laughs) Oh, man. Number four? I don't know that I will ever, the amount of times I've played Catan, 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 whatever, uh, I don't know that I would ever get sick of it. I don't know that there isn't a single person I would ever want to teach the game. Or play the game with. I don't. I cannot picture a scenario that I would never want to play this game. And all that. Sa- all that being said, that should be my number one. But right. there's already, in my opinion, three games that I would prefer to play over it. Right. Everdell, I love it. I love it. But there's so much to it. There it's is. It's not as re- like I can sit down and play Catan and have food and drinks and talk with people and enjoy a five hour night and not worry too much. Mm-hmm. If Everdell, I'm like, okay, this takes up the whole table. We don't have room. I'm stressing out about space. I'm like, I need to make sure I put the right things in my city. I need to make sure I'm paying attention to what everyone's doing. And while I definitely understand why that is fun to a degree and important in board gaming, there's just a spot for me where Katana's comfort food, if that makes sense. 
I definitely understand that. Uh, what do you think about number five? I am fine with that because okay. I thought you would be at like 18. <laughs> I So here here's my thing with Catan. I, I actually, there are times when I love when people want to play it just because I don't have to think for a second about what I need to do, right? Like I can just sit down and not that I don't think about the decisions that like, I don't have to wonder about any rules. Like I know exactly how things go. Like I know what, like, you know, what you're changing, what for what, like, I know how all of that's going to work. So I think that is one of the reasons that I, I don't mind having it this high is that Josh wants to say Settlers of Catan. <laughs> you know, I would like to point out a board game geek. It is now called just Catan. Um, <laughs> I'm just pointing out that if you Google, if you search in all right, all right. board game geek Settlers of this, Catan, it doesn't even come up. So this make you feel better. Fixed. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, I I don't have an issue putting this that high because, like I said, this is our rankings and there is something comforting about just sitting down to play Catan. I agree 110 percent. So that works for me. Great. Okay, Josh, I have at least one more. How many more games do you have? Do you have one more you want to do or do you want me to (laughs) do do this all night? So it's up to you. (laughs) We're going to each do two then, Josh, uh, or I'll do two more. You'll do one more since you started, right? Uh, No, you do one more and then we would have each done two. Right. So then I will do two total more and you will do one additional. From oh, what okay. <laughs> sure. So we'll each have brought three games. Yes. 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 Okay. Correct. So, so Josh, because I just have to do this, uh, <laughs> and, we, and we just talked about Seven Wonders, let's, let's just bring it out. Seven Wonders Duel, Josh. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so as we talked about, Seven Wonders does have a quote-unquote two-player uh, way to play the game where you have a bot third player where as a you know on your turn you get to pick cards um for that bot third player to get and then it switches to the other player gets to pick on their turn like for cards for them to get and as a result of that they came out with a new version of seven wonders called seven wonders duel which is a two-player only version uh many people think this is actually the definitive way to play seven wonders (laughs) that it is better than the base game um that seven wonders duel is where it's at so josh what do you think seven wonders duel I love Seven Wonders Duel. I think it is a fantastic game, but two players is so restricting. And I understand, like, people like me and you, we typically board game with only two people. Yeah. But is it more fun to play a game with five, six, seven people? I think so, typically. I mean, there's definitely games where that's not the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, my first in- instinct is, like, the score really high uh Mm -hmm. but i think for me when i think of playing board games and having fun personally i have fun with more people uh but also because i'm probably not regularly doing it it might be the opposite for people who are always board gaming with six or seven people and then they like oh my god a two-player game this is the best (laughs) so it could be the opposite um uh i was recently what is the word that they used um, when you're social? You're you're a social animal. Does it begin? It begins with an E. Not extrovert. A, extrovert. I was recently diagnosed as an extrovert by my friends when I thought I was an introvert. Oh, okay. Uh, on our vacation, I was told about how like my friend was like, "You are." Think about the last time you were alone by yourself, and I was like, "Uh." I don't think I have ever been alone by myself. She, and she's like, you're an extrovert. 
And I was like, oh my God, I am. <laughs> I didn't know, just, I always thought I was introverted and shy and, and I just realized I never wanted to be alone by myself. <laughs> so when I think of big games, like, I just think like, that's, that's me, right? Like I want to play with so many people. So I want to score seven wonders dual, like 15, but in my brain, I'm like, no, dummy, you should score to two. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like there's a lot of games I enjoy having fun playing with my wife solo, and that is definitely one of them. But it's really hard to impart my experiences with that game with other people because I feel like right. so so few people play it that way. Uh, I can't I can't put it above Seven Wonders, but I want to if that makes sense. Yeah. So my initial placement for it was actually 16. Perfect. So do we just want to do we want to yeah, go there? That's nice. Okay. I like that. And the reason for it is a, is a lot of what you said, Josh, is that though I like this game a lot and this is by no means meant a knock on my partner. I've only ever played it with one person. Like, yeah. So and when I look at this list and, and many of these games are, are games I've only played with her, like. Harry Potter's Hogwarts Battle, I probably would rather play that with her than Seven Wonders Duel. That doesn't mean Seven Wonders Duel isn't a great time and we don't have a lot of fun playing it. They're just yeah. pretty much everything above I would want to play prior to playing Seven Wonders Duel with her. So, yeah. awesome. All right, Josh, one more game. I'm bringing a two-player game to the table. Nice, let's do it. Fox in the Forest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's what you get for bringing Seven Wonders Duel well, to you, my table. Wait my next one. <laughs> wait till you get the next one, so... How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is a game that we've talked about in the past. It is no secret that uh, my wife and I love this game to death. And yeah. it is not the same um, for you uh, on your side with your partner and how you guys enjoy the game because you like it and she doesn't, I believe, yeah, is the case. Uh, so I figured this would be controversial. I was actually saving it because uh, I didn't want to bring it up. But I feel like... <laughs> No, it's good. It's a good uh, one. It's it would a be one. a good one to to ad, uh, addend on amend <laughs> onto that. Um, I I mean I would I wouldn't put it in my t in the top ten because like realistically we would be crazy to put a one or two player game I think in the top ten unless it like was like like groundbreaking board games like currently where we are like one of these games could end up in the top ten. Uh, not one of these games, a game, a two-player or a solo game in the future, but um, I don't like it as much as Seven Wonders Duel, but I also do feel like this is a game that, like, there's not very many games I would throw in my pocket and bring somewhere, mm -hmm. um, and that's mostly because of my, I feel weird, like, do you see people with those quiver sleeves and boxes where yeah. they take games out of boxes? I'm like, I can't do that. It belongs yeah. in the box you bought it in. Um <laughs> But I think for me, uh, Fox in the Forest on our list, I would put above Santorini but below Cosmic Run. Okay. I'm actually not that far off from you. I was thinking between Carcassonne and Potion Explosions. So, okay. Um, realistically, so we're basically kind of saying in the 21 spot then. Yeah, I think 21 is a good number, yeah. Okay. So that is bumping down King of Tokyo by one uh, and taking over the new number 21 uh, spot is the fox in the forest so josh my last game uh is a game that you have very strong feelings about i uh, have feelings oh about no it, is this not on the list what what do you uh, think it is i don't want to say because <laughs> i don't want to jinx it but i feel oh, like I know Settle, what it is Settle's the multiverse is on the list it's on the bottom 
No, no, you said it. You you imply that I have positive strong feelings. You you have strong feelings about it, but your strong feelings tend to be about the way others think about this game. Oh, okay, okay. So, Josh, uh, we're gonna put it on here. That's not what I thought. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing Uh, Monopoly because you regularly espouse how you are get frustrated that the board gaming community speaks poorly about Monopoly. So now it's time for you. (laughs) That's a fact. (laughs) I know. They do. They absolutely do. So now it's the time for you, Josh, as a member of this podcast, to put your money where your mouth is. Sure. Where is Monopoly on our list? Number 30. Number 30. Really? Yep. Did you think it would be higher or lower? (laughs) No. No, I was thinking 32. I was thinking right after Machi Koro. No, four Sentinels of the Multiverse, because I figured that was non-negotiable for you. <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, I think it's better than Suro and Machi Koro. In fact, I think it's probably better than Suro and Machi Koro combined. <laughs> but wow. that's me. That be, but... I think that's me. Uh, Monopoly is a game that every age can play uh, when you hit that board game age, right? So like seven. I think I know that they're changing now. Like there's brands that are designed to be like all the hobby games. Like those are specifically made post monopoly to be accessible to everybody. Yeah. Um, but they have monopoly junior for stuff like that. And, and, and things of that nature. Uh, I don't, I can't picture myself. Well, you know what? We are, we do live in a different world and I probably could just as easily teach well, I could just as easily teach my son Suro, but I don't know that it's better than Monopoly. Uh, I could just as easily teach him Machikoro. That might be better. I think we should switch Machikoro and Suro. <laughs> okay. And then we can put Monopoly below Machikoro. In my, that's what I would say. You think? Okay. So Machikoro should go here. Suro should go there. So now, just so you know, listener, we switched Machikoro to the thirtieth position and Suro to thirty-one. You're I'm agreeing to do okay this. You're that. just doing it. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm completely yes. okay with that because I know I like Machikoro more than you do. So I'm completely okay. okay with that. And then we are slotting in Monopoly, you said, as the new number 31, correct? The yeah, right after I, I would be okay putting it there, yeah. There we go. We got it on the list. Monopoly is there. So, listener, <laughs> the list is updated. It is on our Twitter. You can go check it out, see where we're at. We now are up to 34 games on the list, Josh. Uh, and I would venture to guess that we probably have Monopoly higher on our board game rankings than probably any other board game podcast. And I take that as a badge of honor. So yeah, awesome. for sure. Okay. Very cool. All right, Josh, what is your next topic this week? Well, listen, are we do if we're doing your second topic, we should just skip my topic again because this, we can talk about this next week. Are you sure? Yeah, it's nine fifty three. <laughs> okay. It is late. It is late. You don't yeah. have to go to work. Okay. All right, Josh. Well then my second topic this week is the reason I changed the name of the, Board with video games, official game rankings, yeah. um, to now the board game rankings within that is because we're going to start a video game ranking as well. Woo! So Crazy. It, seemed, it seemed like it was time. You know, we've really focused on ranking these board games because of, you know, Board Game Geek and their rankings there. But I was like, you know what? Hey, there's no reason we can't have a video game ranking system as well. So it's time sure. to start ranking some video games. So, Josh, with this, the <laughs> list has zero games on it. So whatever we yeah. put in is going to be our top whatever games for now. Yeah. What was, what's the first game? I mean, it's going to kind of be perfunctory that we're going to add to the list. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, we could theoretically add it to a lower position and just make things catch up. But what is the first game you think we should add to the list, Josh? That's crazy because I actually thought about stealing your board game thing and doing this as a topic. Oh, really? Last week. But I was like, you can't do it all board games, every video games. You have to do it by console because it would be crazy to nope. do all video games. 
Sometimes fine. The only games we pick to add, though, you know, it's not us. Yes, I'm okay with that. And there's no way I'm starting with my favorite video game. So let's start with a hard one to pick, but also a very well-beloved video game. Let's start with Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation. Well, you know, that's a great place to start, Josh. Uh, Do you have fun? Did you play and complete Metal Gear Solid? Yes. I also played it. I don't know that I ever beat the game, though. I thought I got very confused about putting the box on and walking in and crawling. I got very confused. Oh, did you? Yeah. So, yeah. I liked um, it, but, you know. My brother and I played it together. We got it for, we got Zone of the Enders so we could get the demo from Metal Gear Solid. Okay. So we played that demo to death. And then we found out we liked Zone of the Enders, which is a fun game. Um, Yes. And then we got, um, and myself and my brother, we played Metal Gear Solid. One, two, and three together, and then I played four solo uh, on my okay. own. Um, in fact, my my friend Greg played Metal Gear Solid Four, and he played the no kills playthrough. Dang. His his save got corrupted eighty percent or so through his playthrough, so he like put the game down for like two years and then went back and did it again, I believe. And he'll correct me over text message, um, but I think it was like a long time he waited in between. But yes, Metal Gear Solid, it's hard to hold them to now standards. Like uh, I was just talking to uh, my coworker about the possibility of Nintendo adding N64 games to their online platform. He's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to go back and play GoldenEye. And I was like, dude, it does not hold up. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I don't know how Metal Gear Solid holds up. But what I do know is we go through this every console generation. This was a console-defining video game as far as how much you could do and how great the game looked. And you know what? Let's put it at number one. (laughs) That's right. It's starting at least is starting at number one. So that is Metal Gear Solid for PS1. Um, I probably just put the little for this. I might put in like what system it was just because it might be helpful. Yeah. All right. So Metal Gear Solid PS1 currently number one on our official video game rankings. Josh, this is tough because I was trying to decide how complicated I wanted to make this. Did I want to go with games that I absolutely adore, like games that are in my top list or just games that I had a good time with and remember fondly kind of how did I want to handle this? Right. Yeah. So I decided that at some point I'll bring out the big hitters of the games that I absolutely adore, the games that are in you know my top 10 games of all time. But for now, I'm probably going to focus on our first few iterations of this of me just talking about games I had a lot of fun with. Now, it's going to be tough because I think, you know, we have Metal Gear Solid as the number one pick right now. That might not get anywhere, anywhere, (laughs) go anywhere for a bit. Uh, But Josh, the first game I would like to add to the list, and I don't even know if you played this game, uh, is the video game Black. I have played Black, yes. So Black uh, was a first-person shooter uh, that was from Criterion Games and published by EA. Uh, It was a PlayStation 2 game, came out in 2006. My very first thing that I remember about Black is I had a friend introduce it to me, and they're like, oh, you would probably love this game, you should check it out. So I was like, okay, blah, blah, blah. I went, I played it, and I bloated into the game and walked forward, and there was a door there. And I was like, what's the button to open the door? And they're like, you you just shoot it. I was like, what? (laughs) They're like, yeah, you just shoot the door. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, okay. This is awesome. So uh, I have fond memories of this game. It was For me, it was a lot of fun. Again, if I played it today, I don't know that it would hold up, would be my guess. Uh, But Josh, your thoughts on the video game Black? Really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I don't know. It was 
pre over the top shooter games. Like it was one of the first uh, in a world of Call of Duties. This was like, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say world of Call of Duties. There was like one or two Call of Duties when this came out. Uh, but it was definitely like, hey, uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously. But what we do take seriously is uh, like the first person shooter action um, and um, our advertising. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was very much like geared as almost like the twisted metal uh, of shooters. I know there was a twisted metal black, but like it was very much like we're extreme, but without saying extreme. In a right. world full of extreme, <laughs> um, I thought it looked really cool. I thought it played great, and um, it made me happy. I chose Xbox over PlayStation when the console wars were going on at that point. Why did it make you happy about that? Because it played better on Xbox. Oh, did it? I, I played it on a PS. I don't I know. know. It's, it's marketing. <laughs> yeah, so, it's yeah, marketing. It's like, <laughs> like okay. Uh, so, Josh, uh, does this? Uh, no. It does not take out the metal. Okay, so no, metal your solid number one. Still, so black. <laughs> then we will slot in at number two for now. Yeah. Uh, as you know, the the number two. Hey, maybe this will likely be the highest this game ever is. Uh, but you know what? It's number two for right now. Until jo- potentially until Josh tells us the next game he'd like to add. So Josh, what is the next game you'd like to add on our list of video games? So the next game I want to add is the first game I can remember having a hard time finding. Oh, okay. Uh, couldn't buy it in stores, couldn't find it in rental stores. Uh, and that is uh, Mortal Kombat 3. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Not Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, but I guess we could probably put him. I guess we could do Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, but it's representing Mortal Kombat 3. We could just do Mortal Kombat 3. I think that's okay. fine. So we had like uh, one video store, or two video stores in our neighborhood. One that I knew I could go to that I wouldn't get carded. So okay. that was the only one we would try. Um, and this is post Mortal Kombat, so there was blood on all the consoles. Like yeah. and Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo, there wasn't blood on Genesis. There was blood. Um, so Mortal Kombat three had like the biggest roster. Uh, you're living post uh, Goro, Motaro, Kataro, um, all these characters. Uh, you got Nightwolf coming in. Um, uh, you got. Sub Zero without a mask, you and then also Sub Zero with a mask. Like, you have this huge, diverse, crazy game with the, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess every Mortal Kombat was like that post yeah. Mortal Kombat. Um, but this was one of those games where I think it was on like the Sega 32X because it was like so next gen. I think I could be misremembering. It's been so long, um, but it might have been like Genesis and 32X. Kind of like we live in this like world of Series X and Series S kind of thing. Um, but I remember, and that might be Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, which I'm confusing the two. But I just remember it being like such a huge generational leap for this series. Like Mortal Kombat 2 and Mortal Kombat 3 uh, are, you can't believe that they're like in just one game apart from each other. Right. No, I agree there. So, okay, now maybe I'm wrong about this, and maybe this Probably is not why we. You got the internet. <laughs> no, but I'm I actually I'm generally trying to remember. Maybe we do have to because was Ultimate Mortal Kombat three the one that was released to consoles? Mortal Kombat three was just was only an arcade game. True, like Ultimate Mortal Kombat three when they updated that was the one that came to console. Is that right? Uh, let me find out. Uh, you might be right. Uh, no, Mortal. Uh, it's hard to say. 
No, Mortal Kombat 3 was... Let's see. Uh, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 was November 6, 1995. And Mortal... Yeah, you're right. So Ultimate MK3 was consoles. Okay. And MK3 was arcade. Okay. Because there was an Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 arcade game as well. Uh, Yes, as well. But yeah, okay. Yeah, that's like kind of like the Killer Instinct Gold thing where you're like, wait, which one was which? Yeah. This is a game I actually only ever played in arcade, I think. I don't ever know that I played this game on console. I don't think that's crazy because like that was a time where so many like arcade games were setting the standard for console games. Yeah. And then they were porting them over like Primal Rage and Samurai Showdown. Yeah, uh, I know I'm thinking of just fighting games, but that's just because of where I was then. <laughs> well, that's just what, you know, there was a ton of fighting games in uh, arcades, and that was really um, what I feel like the push was um, for games. Like, because of the success of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, like, we were getting all these different fighting games. They had kind of taken over from, um, you know, the shooter games that existed previously, you know, where you yeah. had, like, the guns, the gun games and all that good stuff. Um, and really, it, when you went to arcades, it was just fighting game after fighting game after fighting game, you know, people putting their quarters down and doing that. And I think that's why probably I played this mostly in arcades because, I mean, I had a Super Nintendo, but I didn't like nobody ever played video games with me. My parents didn't like my dad didn't play games. My sister didn't play games like I and if I ever played video games with friends, it was always at their house. Like nobody really. We, yeah. So, Yeah. I have fond memories of this. Like, I enjoyed this game. But where do you think... I mean, I'm assuming you think this is number two, not number one? Or would you put this as number one? Because I know you're a big Mortal Kombat fan. You know, I I, I don't think it's better than Metal Gear Solid. I, um, as an overall game. So okay. for me, I had to put it at number two. I could easily see it being number one. But I think, obviously, there's way more substance to Metal Gear. No pun intended. Or pun intended, maybe. Uh <laughs> There's way more subsistence to Metal Gear Solid <laughs> uh, than there is to Mortal Kombat. But yeah, uh, I have so many fun memories of that and, and other games I'll add to the list in the future. Yeah, I assumed you were going to put a Mortal Kombat early. I just didn't know which <laughs> just one was going to be. Well, yeah, I just, I just didn't know which one was going to be. That was more of what I was wondering. I was like, well, you know, where where is he going to go as far as, as far as this goes? Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to check with you really quick, though, um, because that, this, I think... This brings up the good conversation. One thing that you don't have to deal with in board game rankings too often compared to video game rankings is the regular installments, right? Yes. So, like, what do you, if, like, for instance, one of us wants to bring up a Madden or a FIFA, is it the specific year of those games or is it just the, you know, how do you want to handle that for this list? I think we could do specific years. Um, okay. but you have to make a solid case as to why this is better than a specific year. Okay. Because, like, obviously, call, the Call of Duties are way different. Like, Right. You could easily say Call of Duty Black Ops is better than Call of Duty World War Two or vice versa, but but because you can show a case for it. You can't I don't know that we could sit here and debate Madden uh fifteen being better than sixteen. Well, if we had Coach Mo on. He certainly could. But that's getting it deep into the woods to a point where you're gonna lose a general audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go, wait, I can play Madden 20 for free right now, <laughs> or I could pay $80 to play Madden 21. No, thank you. <laughs> so, no, I got you there. I got you there. Okay. Well, Josh, I did say that I wasn't going to bring out my all-time favorite games, and I'm not going to, but I am going to start making this a little difficult, because I, like I said, I didn't anticipate we'd get Metal Gear Solid 1. Because I started one. one and two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just to be clear, I'm talking about the first one, uh, Portal. Oh, 
uh, I love Portal. I think it's a fantastic game. I agree. And, you know, like I said, we're not talking about Portal 2 yet because that might, you know, have a different conversation. But the original Portal, Josh, when did you play it? Fond thoughts? Ooh. You have fond memories? What are your thoughts on Portal? It's funny because uh, this week's, when you listen to this, the How Did This Get Played podcast is covering Portal. Oh, really? Very Today, cool. Today, when you listen to this. So I'm excited to listen to them talk about it. But I played Portal when I was post-college. I was living... No, I'm thinking Portal 2. I played Portal 2 with a former roommate of mine, who I work with now, ironically. Uh, we played co- cooperatively. Um, and I believe, I think we were also living together when Portal 1 came out. And at that point, we were just kind of taking turns on the co- one computer we owned, playing it. And he was way more adept at playing it than I was. But I really enjoyed uh, probably one of the first true puzzle games I enjoyed. But because I was yeah. kind of simultaneously playing it with somebody else trying to work through the puzzles um and it was very tongue-in-cheek and meta that maybe the first meta game that mm-hmm. had ever come out um and i was already a fan of like half-life so it was also like interestingly enough in that like kind of in that same universe right uh you know um i really enjoy it i would probably put it at number one right now based on our list Oh, dang. Okay. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed Portal. I played it on the orange box on my 360. That was the first time I played it. Uh, And I, there's just, this was really one of the first games that I was like, okay, games can be funny. They can really uh, lean into a a sense of place in a really effective way. Uh, I thought the puzzles were creative and you felt very smart when you finished them, which was always awesome. (laughs) Um, You know, I do think GLaDOS is like an awesome character. Um, and there's just so much that from this game that has like lived on, especially in video game culture, um, you know, the cake is a lie and just like the end credit song still alive, like all of those things that are just, you know, really a, a cool, like fond memory of playing this game. Uh, obviously, you know, Portal 2, which came out a few years later, people tend to think is a quote unquote better game. Sure. Uh, but Portal was just I just had a great time with it. And I'm. I shouldn't be surprised, but at this point, I'm kind of genuinely surprised we haven't gotten Portal 3. I think everything that Valve has done since Portal 2 has been a surprise to everybody. That's true. That's very As true. far as not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am very comfortable putting at this at number one, if that is what you would like to do. I think Metal Gear did a lot of groundbreaking things, but it didn't do anything that hadn't been done before. It is solely based on a previous IP. It does what the previous ip did but better portal is a groundbreaking new idea of a game so I okay above it perfect uh do we want to do one more each quick here just since we're yeah if you want to yeah i got time ready for yeah contra. that's a good one i actually i was thinking about going back to an <laughs> nes game for my next one too who oh, contra a eh? contra contra a game that was one of the first cooperative games that i ever played Mm-hmm. made you feel like you were older than you were when you were playing it like you're playing an adult game <laughs> at least at the time um challenging yeah couldn't beat it without the code yeah fun one of those games you would sit up and play all night because there's no saves yep so you're playing for hours kind of like what games like returnal and Deathloop. <laughs> <laughs> um so all you gamers whining now just live in my life in the 80s and shush um i really have a fondness 
for Contra. I think it's a fantastic game. I think it still holds up if you play the original version, not all these terrible new remakes. Especially don't play the new phone game. It's horrible. Uh, okay, good to know. But I still think this is one of the better NES games. That being said, I would put it at number three. Okay. But I wouldn't put it higher than that. That is actually exactly where I was thinking of putting it, um, was in that spot. Uh, like you, I have some really fond memories of playing Contra. Uh, it is a game that I thoroughly enjoyed, a game that was very, very hard, uh, but a game that you know, it was pretty seminal in, in the history of video gaming. And uh, not that it deserves to be bumped up because of that, right. but it is something that a lot of the concepts and a lot of the things that we see from that game, you know, are have been improved upon down the road, but like really set a lot of groundwork there. So, yeah, I think three is a good spot for Contra right now. Uh, I do think it'll be interesting to see where this list goes, you know, down the road from here. But oh, yeah. I am totally sure. cool with that for sure. Okay. All right, Josh, the last game that I want to add uh, is a game. You know what? We'll stick with an oldie this week. I was going to go with something different, but uh, we're going to stick with an old game. Uh, we're going to stick with the NES. Um, Josh, oh. did, I'm assuming you had a, an, an NES back in the day? Correct. Did you did you play a lot of a lot of games on your NES? Yeah, a lot is an understatement. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, did you have a, a, a love for side-scrolling games? Yeah, ironically. <laughs> Uh, very, very <laughs> challenging side-scrolling games. Are you talking about Adventures of Lolo? <laughs> no, I am not. I'm talking about Ninja Gaiden. Ooh, yeah, I loved Ninja Gaiden back in the day. So Ninja Gaiden was a uh, side. I had this game. Uh, Adventures of I, Lolo was top down before people yell at me. <laughs> I I just misspoke. <laughs> uh, the reason I I brought this up because I think Ninja Gaiden was one of those games where um when you you know you're looking at the instruction manual that they had back then you're kind of going through things and you're looking at everything and you get to the character's name and you never hear anyone say it and you're just wondering yeah. like how do you say this character's name right like <laughs> yes. and that was like the really the first instance of me being like i have no idea what the re 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 i had no idea like yeah. like is it ryu ryu what is it and I don't, you know, Hayabusa, Hayabusa, like, I, who knows, <laughs> you know, like, who knows? So, but this game was hard as nails, Josh. It was so oh, tough. Yeah. We talked about Contra being challenging. This game, like, oh my gosh, so, so challenging. And just the way, since you had such limited button inputs, the ways that you had to, like, throw your stars, or, like, were, like, back and B, which then, like, messed up if you're trying to move forward. I mean, it was just a really challenging game. Yeah. Uh, and I put so many hours to it. And I don't even remember how far I got. I never beat it. Mm. I remember that. But I don't even know how close I necessarily got to the end because, like, there wasn't that information back then, right? Like, you didn't have the internet to look it up. Like, I have no idea how far I ever really got in this game or how close I was to the end of it. But uh, I do remember putting a lot of hours into it because it was so dang hard. Yeah. Uh, but what is uh, your thoughts on Ninja Gaiden, Josh? I love Ninja Gaiden. Definitely not the hardest NES game, which I'll bring up probably next time we do this list that I ever played. But it's probably the second hardest NES game I ever played. Um, I never finished it. I don't remember how far I got. Uh, it was a joy to play because it was so challenging. And back then, like, that's what those games were. Like, you're like, play the hard games. But you were, like, renting these games. You weren't buying right. games. You were, you know, eight, five to eight years old, and you didn't have $60 to buy a game. And certainly your parents weren't spending $60 to buy you an NES game. They were buying you uh, cleats or right. cups. Like, that's just how it was back then. 
Uh, I I still think another game that holds up in like I think the whole NES era really holds up incredibly well now. Uh, but I have no problem sitting down right now and playing Ninja Gaiden one, two, or three on my NES Classic. Um, not not like this is aftermarket NES Classic. Shh. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, I really enjoy it. I think it's a very solid game, challenging, which makes it I think better. Uh, in the in this specific regard, not like the other game I'll bring up uh, in the future, but uh, yeah, I mean, I could put this easily at number four, to be honest with you. Number four. But this oh, is your man. game, so where would you like to put it? You know, I am surprised. I am surprised that you keep pushing down your. Mortal you're crazy Kombat if game. you thought I bring my favorite Mortal Kombat game. I know, I know. <laughs> I was just wondering if you're going to go through all of them. I am totally comfortable with number four. Uh, I would agree. That not you know not does not deserve to be above Contra, uh, but I think the yeah, it definitely deserves to be above Ultimate Mortal Kombat three and Black. Just wait till uh, I bring a Street Fighter to those list. We'll be here for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> wait, which one is that then? Is that the one that was <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, super hyper fighting? Um, okay, <laughs> so that is the start of our official video game ranking. So currently six games, six to one, Black, Ultimate Mortal Kombat three, Ninja Gaiden, Contra, Metal Gear Solid, and Portal. So those are our six. If you have games that you'd like us to include, please let us know. We'd be happy to include them. Uh, Josh, we did get some listener questions this week, though. So let's uh, let's go through those here quickly. Until we have time, or should we push some week? <laughs> I got time. If you got time, it's later. Hey, <laughs> I'm happy to do a, a, a very long board of video games. So uh, this isn't in chronological order. The first question we're answering is from uh, at the underscore winter gamer. Brendan Myers with the switch code, which I'm not going to read because I don't believe in reading switch codes. You got to find people. Uh, he says, uh, what if what have been some of your favorite games to play where you are able to learn the rules right away? I think we're both pretty honest about this, at least for board games where century, the century series yeah. is one of the easiest to learn and teach games, but not, not even necessarily the easiest to master, but it's nice, easy to learn and easy to teach. And I, I can't underestimate how important that is for new gamers. It's so uh, relieving to look at a one page, even though it's double sided instruction uh, manual. I would also throw Ticket to Ride in that grouping um, of easy to teach games as well. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go with some smaller ones. Uh, I'm going to go with Hanabi. Yeah. I think it was great. Uh, Love Letter, I think, is super simple and a great game. Fun to play. It's still something I enjoy playing. Uh, Red 7. Um, you know, any of those kind of smaller card games are always where I go with, you know, when it's like, hey, here's really, you know, a handful of rules is all you need to get going and it's still going to provide you a great experience. So for me, those are three games uh, that, you know, they're card, smaller card games, not bigger board games, but uh, that super simple uh, learned them really quickly um, and really just enjoyed them. So nice. Okay. Well, there you go. I hope, I hope you weren't asking for video games, Winter Gamer, because you didn't get any. <laughs> we don't teach those to people. Uh, Schplig jumps in at Thopalicious on Twitter. It says, board slash video game Pandora. This is not going to be hard at all, Kyle. Uh, give me your seed games for these categories to get a perfect recommendation list for you. We have story, mechanics, and art, which is. Parentheses visual slash audio. I made sure to tweet back, please, so we don't mess it up. Emphasize on seed. I don't know that 
he emphasized on seed necessarily. <laughs> but he replies, yes, seed game, i.e., I like mechanics like seed. <laughs> or story traits like seed. So as all you're doing is give me an example of the word I'm asking you to define. <laughs> but no, I think eh? I but I think I know what he means. Okay. I'm just okay. being literal. Um and he also gave us his answers. So he yeah. would pick story, God of War, uh, mechanics, Overwatch, art, Bioshock. Do you want to go first or second on your Pandora? I, th- I kept thinking Spotify made list. Well, I think that's kind of what it is, isn't it? Like, it is, yeah, I, I, just, I, I would I just right away with actually to like Pandora. Uh, uh, Borderlands. <laughs> yeah, that's where I went. Okay, I can actually, I think I could do this. So story, okay. mechanics, art for those three. Story. Uh, Uncharted. Okay. Mechanics, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Art is the tough one because I'm trying to decide do I want to go super realistic or super stylized. And I think I'm going to go stylized. So I am actually going to go uh, Nino Kuni 2. Okay. So like anime, uh, I was moving castle kind of. Art. Yeah, and just and, and like the anime, like for the inner, the cutscenes that happen, but then having a like colorful world where you don't like have a lot of limitations necessarily on the way things look right so you can take that flexibility to create really cool interactions with things that you wouldn't see in a realistic setting but that type of uncharted story assassin's creed mechanics nino kuni 2 art that's where i'm going okay i am going to go story spec ops the line mechanics deus ex humankind revolution no what's the first one Human Revolution is fine. That also works. Uh, I mean, it's the same idea. Is it? Isn't that the first one? Is it Mankind Divided? The second one? Uh, the other sure. way around. The first ASX. The first okay. ASX, which is essentially pre-cyberpunk. Um, art. I I'm going to uh, use recency bias, and I'm going to choose Lost and Random. Oh. So I'm thinking the story similar to Spec Ops Line, where the mechanics of Days X and art style similar to a Coraline or Nightmare Before Christmas. Because I guess overall, I'm thinking story for my choice. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, I'd love to hear about this from other people too. Like if you have thoughts on uh, Splate's question here, uh, let us know because story mechanics are what do you want to use as the basis for your games using other games, not like. Yes. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for your questions. We appreciate it. We always want you to be part of the show. So please do hit us up at Board with Fiji on Twitter or Board with Fiji at gmail.com. And we would love to include your thoughts. With that, we're going to kind of move towards wrapping the show up, uh, finally, uh, <laughs> and move on to our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? Okay, it finally has come. Uh, something I've been waiting for a decade to happen has finally happened, and it is not disappointing. Why The Last Man, the acclaimed award-winning graphic novel, or as I read it, as individual comic issues on a monthly basis, or bi-weekly back then maybe, um, has now come to FX on Hulu. It stars Diane Lane and a bunch of people uh, that you don't know, and also Amber Tamblyn. (laughs) So that's fun. Uh, they did add a a bunch more of um, politics from the now times that weren't um, around when the comics came out. But essentially what you need to know is why the last man stands, why stands for Yorick. Yorick 
is the main character's name. He has a monkey. His monkey's name is Ampersand. It is a test monkey pilot program that he's basically like taking care of. One day, something happens in the world that you will eventually find out where every single living man on the planet dies. And uh, we find out that there's one man who is still alive. His name is York. He is why the last man. I don't want to spoil anything else that happens <laughs> in this show. It is, I would argue, it's groundbreaking television in the sense of how groundbreaking the comic was at the time. This is not something you've seen before. You've seen like Children of Men um, taking a similar but different approach in film, but knowing how much we can get out of television series now versus film, I'm really excited to see how much they can put into this. And uh, the first three episodes came out on the first day, so I believe by the time you hear this, there'll either be four or five episodes, I think four, uh, out available to watch. I don't know how long the first season is, but so far uh, it's fantastic. So I, I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, my recommendation uh, is a documentary. What? <laughs> I know. Uh, called Boy State. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, this came out last year, I believe. And it was something I wanted to watch, but I also, at the time, was not going to subscribe to Apple TV+. Plus, just to watch it. And now since I got six months free because uh, of my PlayStation 5, I was like, hey, we're going to start watching some of this Apple stuff. Uh, and Boy State basically is a documentary following uh, participants in the Texas Boys State Conference for 2019. Uh, if you're not familiar with Boys State, it basically is uh, bringing a whole bunch of boys together who are between their junior and senior years of high school, typically, uh, and kind of doing a mini um, election for basically every single position you can think of in the state government so the governor's the highest position um all the way down to you have people running for like you know city like uh a tur- not city, i shouldn't even say city attorney but like the most basic levels like city positions and everything in between uh so it's an interesting look at how they kind of develop their campaigns how people decide what they want to run for uh some of it is probably going to be uh very wholesome and you're going to be like hey this is great and some of it you're going to be very sad about and about the way politics work in this country um but it is an interesting look and i think really helps you set the set the tone uh, for maybe why politics are the way they are in the united states uh you'll see a glimpse of potential positivity in the future but also then you kind of can see like what people are fighting against Current times yeah yeah <laughs> and, the, and the challenges that you know being in politics faces so uh that's boy state it's on apple tv plus definitely recommend it uh hey josh what do you say we wrap this show up what a small idea thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on twitter and instagram at board with vg you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, who could blame you? Feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag board with VG. So feel free to use that hashtag as well on all your social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our board with video games feed, our very own, mind you. Uh, you can find me places, but I we're, we're just approaching the one-month deadline for my Extra Life campaign. I'm literally $70 short of my goal for this year. I'm so excited to be this close. 
this early. If you're interested in donating, go to my Twitter at Josh Bones. My pinned tweet is my Extra Life campaign. Uh, even if it's just five bucks, I'll take what you can give. Um, but it all goes towards local children's hospital networks. For me, that's Boston Children's Hospital. Um, and that will lead up to November 6th game day, which is 24 hours um, straight gaming. I'll be participating with Kevin Austin of Dollar Cinema, Exhausted, uh, Fast and Furious Retrospective, and PlayStation PlayStation PSVG fame. We'll be traveling to Rome, New York together to take part in a masked, fully vaccinated 24-hour stream. Um, so please check it out if you can. Uh, any help is lovely, um, but not mandatory. Even if you just check out the page and share it with people, you know, I would appreciate it. Kyle, where can people find you? You can find me on all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.